multiplication, compound, exponential growth in Jesus' name, Father. And we release it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. What we did was wrong. But we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are. What do you care? When you see us as you want to see us. In the simplest terms, the most convenient definitions. You see us as a brain, an athlete,
I do this every year. I just love people. The other guys won't cry. <laughs> this is a very special <clears throat> uh, movie for me because it's uh, it's my generation, and uh, I've got a picture of Karen and I. Right in 1984 when this movie came out, if Mark, you could put that picture up. He's going to make me cry too. <laughs> Mark, you got that picture? There we are. That's 1984. We could have starred in that movie. <laughs> Amen. So it's my generation. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter what generation you're in. These five characters have been in your life. And maybe you're one of them. You know, I like chicken nuggets. You know, you people can talk about your Chick-fil-A and whatever you want to, but I, there's nothing better than a fresh, hot, 20-piece chicken McNuggets. But guess what? There's four cuts of a chicken McNugget. There's what's called the bone, the bell, the ball, and the boot. I especially like the boot. That's the best dark meat chicken you can eat. Now, they tell me that it's a gelatinous glob that comes in there, and then they form them in those pieces. They mold them into those particular pieces. That didn't come out of the chicken that way. One of my great uh, desires is to expose the world system to you, to help you to see what the devil's doing and how he's tricking you. And there's no greater testament to this than this movie right here, because these five types are just like those chicken nuggets. They weren't meant to be that way. But society and the way the world system is and the way the devil has put it, it's caused them to be molded and fashioned in a certain way. And maybe you have been molded and fashioned in a certain way, but I'm here to tell you today, Jesus has come to break the mold. He came to destroy the system. And through divine life, you can be a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that's what this message is about. So I'd like for us to turn to Ecclesiastes 
And uh, I'm going to go through some scriptures that I've shared with you before. But if you got them, I wouldn't be sharing them again. The Lord's directed me to go this route, a little bit different route, because Jesus wants to free people today. He wants to free you from your self-imposed prison that the enemy has made for you so that you can live in true freedom in Christ Jesus. He wants you to be free of these things. Amen? In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, starting with verse 1, it says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Now I want you to understand what that phrase under the sun means. He's not talking about divine life. He's not talking about heaven. He's not talking about new creation living. He's not talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about this life on this fallen earth. We live under the sun, and the phrase under the sun refers to the fact that we live in a fallen world that does not work right. And that is filled with mishap and accident, that is filled with all kinds of tragedy and pain. That's what he uses the phrase under the sun. And he says, under the sun, everything is vanity. But in the kingdom of God, we know that everything has purpose. But under the sun, everything is vanity. You work hard to get to a certain place, and it doesn't work out for you. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about life under the sun. He's talking about the life that Jesus came to redeem you from and to take you out of. Now, notice what it says here. It says, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows in the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind and on its circuits, notice that phrase, circuits, the wind returns. So he's, what, what, what he's trying to show us here is that the earth, this, this under the sun experience, is actually on a timer. Oh, come on now. It actually functions in a circuit. See, I've taught you this, and you've got to get a hold of it, that time isn't just linear. Time is cyclical. And these characters, no matter if you were raised in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, or the 2000s, are in this, the 20, you know, 2020, 2010s, 2020. It doesn't matter. These same characters exist. So what that tells me is this, is that there's a preordained plan of the enemy to create... These kinds of factions are splintering offs of human personality. And in fact, I don't believe that we truly know how to be a human being until Jesus comes into our lives. Because that's the only time we go into right functioning is when the new creation life comes on the inside of us and we become like Jesus. Otherwise, we have been living an actual facade. That's good. 
Hello? See, I don't know. See, civilization, man did not create civilization. Did you know that? Wasn't a bunch of cavemen getting around and trying to figure out how to get a government going. Civilization was discovered because it was already in operation in the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of darkness. They function just alike. They have the same governmental structure. So what has happened because of Adam's transgression and Adam's fall is now the enemy, the wicked one, has created a system that begins to form and mold us into different shapes, chicken nuggets. Hello. Well, let's read on. If you don't believe me, we'll just keep going. He says, all streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied in seeing, in seeing nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Now notice he's not talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about this life under the sun. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. He goes on and he says this. He says, is there anything new? It's been before. Hello. So civilization was something that we discovered and was given. We inherited it. Because we're supposed to operate and mirror what the kingdom of God operated in. But through transgression, we sided with the wrong kingdom. And that king, that wicked ruler, seeks to suppress who you really are. And to keep you from seeing the importance that God has placed upon your life. So he begins from birth, even before birth, from the time of conception. He seeks to veil your purpose and your design. The Bible says very clearly that our days are already written in heaven. That God has written a book about you. Before you were even sent here, God already had a plan for you. Now, you really only truly function within that plan. You can try to be this. You can try to be that. You can try to pursue this. You can try to pursue that. But really, you're only going to find true success and true fulfillment when you're doing what God's asked you to do. And you yield to what God. The enemy can't have that. So he puts you in in a system that tries to determine your course. Okay, all right, let's, let's go to Ephesians. You got time today. You know, fireworks don't go off till nighttime. <laughs> oh, I'm scaring some of you. you. Hello. No, we won't be here this long, but I want you to get a hold of this. The Lord's given me a mandate. He told me, he told me in prayer just to, about a, two weeks ago, he said, I've called you to expose the system. 
And I'm telling you, if you can't see the exposure of the system right now through the media and through what's going on in our government and in the political, you know, things that are going on, you're blind. You're absolutely blind. You better get a hold of it and begin to see it now because they're going to veil it soon. It's going to be hard to see. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. And it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the, notice this, course, course of this world. That's the system. The course of this world. Okay? Which is the world system, which is the system that we find ourselves in. Human systems create, mold, and fashion human ideas, philosophies, and manners of life. Hello. Now, if you were a psychologist or someone that was learned in the arts of uh, psychology and parapsychology and all of that, you would find that... uh, they basically make excuses. And that's, that's what uh, colleges do, is they make excuses for sinful behavior. And so you basically hear this phrase very, very strongly today. Well, I was born this way. I was born this way. Well, you know, you were born in sin. We understand that. You were born with the sin nature and you've got the flesh and the flesh just wants to do what it wants to do. I understand that. However, using that as a means just to live your life from that vantage point is not what the cross means. The cross came to break that. And so we've got a lot of victimized people. See, each one of these five are are victimized, and they operate as a victim according to the set times and and philosophies of their culture. People that were raised in the 40s had a different molding. People in the 50s, a different molding. People in the 60s, a different molding. People in the 70s, a different molding. However, the characters are the same. If you went to high school, if you were homeschooled, you still ran into those characters. You ran into, you know, the prom queen. You ran into the rebel. You ran into the, the nerd. You ran into the basket case, and you ran into the athlete. You ran into these people. What I'm trying to teach you here is they were made that way to conceal them from their true identity in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be an athlete. It doesn't mean you can't be a prom queen. What it means is, is that these identifiers, and it's all about identification here today, is it not? It's all about, I identify as this. I identify as a llama. I identify... I'm identifying today as a zebra. Identity, identity, identity. Well, we've been sold a bill of goods that has kept us from experiencing true identity in Christ and getting a false identity where our whole life... So listen, guys, these people, even though they're teenagers in there, people grow up with the same mindset. 
How many have ever run into the athlete that had the great career in high school and maybe went to junior college and did a little bit, but he's still stuck in 85? How many have seen someone that's been stuck in elitist ideas and elitism and thinks that they're everything and a bag of chips? Or the rebel that continues to rail against the system while, he, while he's hungry, while he's never having his needs met, he's not able to provide for his family. But because of his pride, Come on. Come on. he will not receive from anyone. I'm telling you, these were, I'm telling you, let's go to Romans chapter 12. I got to get these scriptures going. If it ain't in the scripture, we don't need to be talking about it. Amen. Romans chapter 12. This is, if you get a hold of this, you're going to see things. It's going to unlock some things for you. Whoa. Now notice this, Romans chapter 12 and uh, verse number two. Let's look at verse number two. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Another translation says, do not be squeezed into the mold of this world. So that tells me this. We got to look at the word world there because there's different Greek words for world. One of the main words that is used is cosmos, which means order, system, and arrangement. But that's not what this Greek word is. It's aeonos, and it's where we get the word eon from. And it means set time. Amen? So he's saying, don't let the set time, oh, get a hold of this, because there's a lot of pressure right now. There's a lot of molding going on right now. And it's got a set time, and it's in a set time, and it's within the context of something. And this set time of culture and philosophy, he says, don't be squeezed by it. Don't be molded by it. Amen. Don't be conformed to it. Right. Now here you've got to understand the two ways that these things are molded. When it comes from the world, it comes from the outside in. The molding comes from the outside in. There are extrinsic pressures that come upon our lives that seek to mold our thinking on the inside. But notice what it says here. It says, do not be conformed to this world. So that means when the massaging hands of the world try to come in and begin to manipulate you into believing something that is contrary to the word of God and puts different kinds of extrinsic pressures on you, you're to resist that by being transformed. Now, that's very different than being conformed. Very different. God does not conform us. He transforms us. See, we're having a lot of conforming going on, a lot of conforming language that's happening in our culture and our society and in our nation today. A lot of conforming language. Well, you better get this. And if you don't get this, then you're this. And if you don't believe this way, then you're this. 
And what is that? That is pressure that is coming in to try to get you control of your thought life. Because if it gets control of your thought life, then your body will follow in obedience to it. Notice the enemy always, now this is going to help you, the enemy always works from the outside in. But this scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's how God works. God doesn't work. Now here, get a hold of this. Young people, get a hold of this, old people. Get a hold of this, middle-aged people. God doesn't work from the outside in. Never does. You're trying to interpret your circumstances and what you're going through and trying to read God. That is never how you're guided. Oh, I wish you'd hear me on that. It's never how you're guided. It's never. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what is he saying? He's saying that if God's going to do anything, do any changing, do any molding, do any fashioning, it's going to be from the inside working out. Oh, if you just get a hold of that, that'll save your life. See, we think, well, you know, I've had this pressure. Someone's putting physical pressure on me. It must be God doing something. No, you got to read it from the inside. You could be going through the worst circumstances physically that you've ever done and still have the peace of God on the inside of you. Hello. See, if you notice, all of them came in, and we kind of get a clue as to the fashioning and where it begins. Where's the fashioning begin? It begins at home. Did you see them cars pull up? Did you see the conversations that they were having? Have you had conversations like that? I know I have. I know that. See, we live in such a culture of fear. Can you see and hear the fear in those conversations? Can you see and hear the fear of the parents towards their kids that don't know really how to communicate with them but have to use fear to motivate them? You don't want to blow your ride. You better study and you better do it right or else. Well, I've been guilty of that myself, telling my kids stuff like that. Everybody lives in a realm of fear. But Jesus said that uh, he didn't come. He came to dispel fear from our lives. God has not given us the spirit of fear or a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. These people are not operating in sound mind. They're in manipulated mind. See, each one of them is motivated by fear. They're motivated by fear of loss of something, loss of prestige, loss of popularity. And we're motivated by fear. And that's what the enemy uses to fashion our mind. He fashions us with fear. And that's the reason why you need to turn the television off 
because it is a fear inlet into your life. When I'm falling for fear, how many know about falling for fear? It's because I'm not in this enough. Because the Word of God brings faith, which is the reciprocal of fear. And if I'm consuming too much media and too much stuff from the world, fear is going to rise up in my life. And I can release the power of fear through my actions and my words, just like I release the power of faith through my actions and my words. Are you with me? Is this speaking to anybody? So basically, the world makes excuses. I'm this way. That's just who I am. I'm just keeping it real. No, you're keeping yourself poor, broke, and miserable. Oh, I just got to talk about, that's just who I am. Well, change. You're miserable. Your thinking habits are miserable. So the world makes it. And they, they use big words. See, anytime the devil wants to put a bluff on you, he'll use big words. You know, college words. The first thing they'll say is, we are a victim of genetic determinism. We're a victim of genetic determinism. That means what? Great grandpa did this to you. Hello? And if you get over that and you realize that the cross took care of your family line and that you've got a new family line, you're part of a brand new family, then they go on and say, well, we're all victims of psychic determinism. That means that how we were raised, the input that was given into our lives, what school we went to, what opportunities were afforded. We're hearing this all over this nation right now. We're hearing this all over this nation. Well, if I had your parents, if I had your opportunity... Psychic determinism. Your life is determined by what input you received when you were a kid. And if it was good, then you're going to be good. And if it was bad, how many realize that don't work? How many of that doesn't float water? That is not a hypothesis that you can prove. There are many people who have had horrible childhoods and excelled and, and had victory in their life. Here's a big one. Environmental determinism. Well, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. Well, I was, we only had one room in our house and we had to share, you know, an outhouse and all this stuff. And, and I didn't have much money. We never had much food. We never had much this. And that has determined my life and the decisions that I have made. 
And there are still people, even born-again people with their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that still believe they are environmentally determined, they are psychic determined, and they are genetically determined. And they can't break out of it. But the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 17, if any man be in Christ, oh, you didn't get that, if any man be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old genetic determinism, the old psychic determinism, the old environmental determinism has passed away. And everything, how many things? You know, I looked up that word in the Greek. I looked up everything in the Greek, and you know what it means? Everything has become new. Amen? Hallelujah. I got a lot of things to say, so I'm trying to, come on, are we all right? Okay, all right. Joel, come up here. Got to pick on Joel. Okay. The Bible says don't let the world, the annals, the set time of culture, the ideas of our society, the ideas of our particular generation, squeeze you into its mold. So that means from the time that Joel was born, there were forces that were constantly... That feels pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> Constantly trying to shape Joel. Shaping him, molding him. Words that were spoken to him. Actions that were done to him. Abuses. Pain. Joy. Happiness. The enemy uses all of it. Because the goal is to blind Joel. Is to keep Joel from seeing Christ. And after Joel comes to Christ, to keep Joel from seeing Christ. Do you understand that? Because when you're born again, that new creation life that's on the inside of you, is energized and develops as it gazes on Christ. There are people that never crack their Bible, never go to a service, never listen to anything. You're not keeping your focus on Jesus. Therefore, that eternal life that's on the inside of you is not able to come forth. Hello, because your gaze is on the wrong stuff. Pastor Kevin said it many times. You become what you look at. Okay? Now, I'm going to show you the press. All right? We saw it in the clip here. The press that is the first press that we're introduced to is what we would call um, authoritative expectations. How many realize that? That uh, you're basically um, are molded and constructed 
through authoritative expectations, especially as a child. Okay? Now that's good if your parents are godly and pursuing the Lord. Not perfect, but pursuing the Lord. That's wonderful. But say, for instance, you're in a family where the authoritative expectations aren't steeped in the Word of God. They're steeped in fear like a lot of these parents that are talking to their kids, trying to, really, the motivation is they want a better life for their kids. However, they're handing them the tools of destruction by teaching them fear. Oh my goodness, I see it every April when kids are about to graduate from school. I'm going to have you stand there all, all day long. <laughs> and I see kids fretting over what they're going to do after they graduate high school. And I'm not saying that it's wrong for a parent to push them towards any endeavor because kids, how many know this? Kids need to be pushed sometimes. But what I'm saying is we can't use our authoritative expectations by using fear to try to get Joe to do what we want. Because I really don't care about how Joe feels about it. I'll feel more comfortable if he's a doctor because he won't be asking me for no money. <laughs> the tremendous pressure that you see on those kids there, especially the nerd, fosters fear, which is the soil, now listen to this, of pride. And God will never work with pride. Where does the devil want to get you? He wants to get you where he's at. Remember Isaiah 14? I will ascend above the stars of God. I, five eyes. Notice what he said at the end. He said, I will make myself like God. There's a lot of people saying, I will make myself like something. I will make myself like this. And you better agree with me or I'm going to call you a racist. But it all starts. Goodness gracious, I start crying and my nose is running. So we have this pressure that comes on us authoritative expectations. Some of you right here today, your parents have been gone a long time, but they still speak their authoritative expectations every time you're about to make a decision with your life. I remember talking to people and uh, they're trying to break out, trying to do something that they haven't done in a long time. And I'm encouraging them, get out, break out, do something new. Hello? Some of you need, that's a word from the Lord. Do something new. And they say, well, uh, mom wouldn't like that. I said, you're 75 years old. 
is your mom still alive? She said, no, mom's been gone 10, 20 years. What does mom even know what's going on in your life? I remember uh, a lady I dealt with whose husband went on to be with the Lord. And she had a tumultuous time with her husband. It wasn't, you know, flowers and rainbows and things of that nature. But she was constantly enslaved by what he thought about how she was living her life after he had went on to be with the Lord. And she would constantly say things like this. Well, I don't think Harold would like that. Well, Harold don't care. If he's in heaven, he's having the time of his life. If he's in hell, he really don't care. You're not going to stand before Harold when you die. You're not going to stand before Harold when you give up the ghost. You're going to stand before one man and one man only. The one who redeemed your life and gave you breath and gave you gifts and gave you talents and gave you a purpose. And you're going to blame it on Harold as to why you didn't do? Okay, all right. Now, we got that top. We got that in the top. And I'll tell you what, it's real mental. But the next one is one that we all identify with. It's called peer pressure. Peers are people that are right with you. You know, they're side by side. They put their pants on the same way, you know. But they can get some ideas and they can begin to put pressure on you from the side. And they can say, you know what? Everybody... Everybody smokes that dope now. Everybody eats those gummies. Everybody does that. You, you just need to go on and do that. And you're saying, no, the Lord won't let me do that. I'm, I just don't feel that that's right. Oh, come on. What kind of guy are you? Are you a pansy? Are you some kind of... See, don't let the world squeeze you in its mold. If it was... Listen, here's a, here's a clue. If it was wrong in the Old Testament, it's wrong now. God doesn't change his mind. Hello? Come on now. Some of you are mad at me already because you like your gummies. Listen, I'm not, there's no condemnation. I'm not condemning you. I'm just showing you. Using that, let's say drinking. Well, some of you will be looking at me again. Man, everybody drinks. You know what you need? You just need a good old, you know. Have you ever went to somebody and said, man, I'm just so stressed? Their answer isn't, let's pray. Let's, let's go down to the liquor store. Yeah. Pressure. Yeah. Okay? Are you with me? The next one is cultural shifts. There are things that we accept now that we would have never accepted in previous generations. It's because every set time of culture has its own agenda. And the enemy progressively brings these things in because the goal of the enemy is to cause society to get to a place where the man of sin can be revealed. He can only do that if depravity and sin are prominent. 
what we know as the iniquity force. So that's the reason why when we had, you know, we were killing uh, 60 million babies over 50 years, that kept the iniquity force going and brought a curse to our nation. Hello. Porn is the highest form of entertainment. It bypasses any and all media and any and all media that's bought or consumed. Well, that continues to raise that iniquity force. We have rebellion in our streets, rebellion in our schools, rebellion in every aspect of life. No one listens to anybody anymore. Everybody's their own boss. There's been a couple of times that that's happened in the scripture and it didn't cause good things. We are on the verge of going into tyrannical measures in our nation, but we must understand this. That the reason why these things are coming about is because of our actions as a people. Hello. And so he wants to do that. So he'll use that. He'll use that. I'm going to get Joel down so he can rest. So so we got ideas and, and philosophies that come in. Boy, especially when you go to college. Isn't it amazing you pay or your parents pay for, you know, you to learn, you know, extended disciplines. And you go in for, you know, business, a business degree and multiply. You go to your classes and they just continue to heap on the Bible's not real. What does that have to do with business classes? Oh, and they say catty things. Because they, 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 they use this system that I'm talking about to get you to think that they're superior because of the letters behind their name and that they're tenured. And if they're tenured in a college, that means they've never had a real job. <laughs> and they make up all of this garbage and all of this stuff and they come against the the biblical worldview of life. And that's really what colleges are doing today is their sole purpose is to destroy the foundation because the Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, so you got that pressure. You're going to college. You're trying to live righteous before the Lord. And day in and day out, while you're learning, you're reading, you're writing and arithmetic, you're getting all this heavy dose of the parting of the Red Sea was a myth. Right. Puritanical, you know, ideology, it's wrong. We're gods. You can be whoever you want to be. That's what Satan said. I will become like the Most High. No way he can become like the Most High. He's a created being. There's no way you can change your spots, man. Come on now. You can wear a dress, put on makeup. When you die and in your grave and you deteriorate and we pull up your bones, you know what your bones are going to tell me? It ain't going to remember you had a dress on. It's going to tell me you're a man. 
But that's the things we're facing, squeezing us into their mold. Amen? All right. Religious indoctrination. There's a whole, boy, I could stay on this forever. Misappropriated teaching, teaching that's not even scriptural, that is governing your life. Hello. I told you this story, and I'm going to tell it to you again. I worked with a, a young man who was part of a denomination that was on the legalist side. I will leave it at that. We would work up in the hot attic of this, um, it was Kmart back in the day, you know. We didn't have Walmart, we had Kmart. And I was up there, you know, it was hot. And I was young and buff, looking like I did in the picture before. You know, and we're hauling stuff. It's 100 degrees up in that thing. And he's got long sleeve shirt on. Long sleeves. And I, he did this for every time. He just wore long sleeves all the time. And I said, you know, hey, you know, wouldn't you rather have a short sleeve shirt and, you know, get you some air, you know? Because, I mean, he had it buttoned up, you know. And he said, man, I said, roll them sleeves up, you know, get, get some air. He said, no. He said, I can't do it. I said, why? He said, well, I'm afraid if I roll my sleeves up and bare my forearms, that I'll cause a young lady to lust. And I started lusting. I said, what do those forearms look like? Those got to be some forearms. Arnold Schwarzenegger, back in the day, Sylvester Stallone. Forearms. Bam, you know, girls. Hello? In bondage to wrong teaching. Does the Bible say that we need to be, you know, modest in our dress? Absolutely. Hello? If you notice the demoniac of Gadara, he was fully demonized and he was naked. So that tells you something. When he got rid of the demons, he was clothed in his right mind. So that should tell you something. Oh, come on now. I'm, I'm taking my forearm, my sexy forearm, and I'm swirling in your Kool-Aid this morning. I got to move on. I got to move on. You can sit down, brother. I got a whole bunch of them. I don't have another service, so. Hallelujah. What does fear do? It creates pride. It creates pride. Each one of these individuals, they're all rebels. They, they list one as the rebel, but they're all rebels. But they have pride in, pride in different areas. You know, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 16, if we got that, we'll put that up. First John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. It says, love not the world. And that, world, wor that word world is cosmos. 
don't love the system. He just says, don't love the earth. Don't love the people of the earth. He's saying, love the people of the earth. Love the earth. Don't love the system. See, this is a system. This is a result of a system. Society wants to cookie cutter you. That's the reason why they talk in broad strokes about you. Well, if you're this ethnic group, then you're this. They've got a whole list of what you're supposed to be. And they bank on that because the whole reason why they want to know your information and want to be able to categorize you in generalities is so they can make money off you. Okay, do not love the world or the things in the world. Don't love the system or the things in the system. If anyone loves the system, the love of the Father is not in him. Now notice what it says in, in the next verse. It says, does it, okay, all right, well. <laughs> For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The word pride of life means the boasting in life. All five of those are boasting. They're boasting something. That's their protective gear. I brought this coat. I'm glad I did. It is cold in here. Did you notice that as they came in, they all had their coats on. How many really like the value of a good coat? Now, when you're in high school, coats weren't just served for inclement weather. They were served to hide things. Hello. You didn't have that six-pack abs or you didn't have this. You hid it. You wore the hoodie. There's a lot of hoodies out there. You can look good in a hoodie. A fat man can look good in a hoodie. Hello. But did you notice that as they came into the library to serve their detention, they didn't want anything to do with any of the other people. They were just furniture. People were furniture. I'm just going to get do my time and I ain't going to do. And notice they come in with their coats and they got hoods on and stuff. And that's a protective mechanism. And that's really what happens when we begin to delve into the ideologies where we begin to say, this is who I am. It's a protective measure that we use to protect ourselves from getting hurt. And that's the reason why a lot of people will hurt first because they don't want to be hurt. So really when we see that, and I don't have time to show any more clips, but really when we see them fighting and bickering with one another, they're not bickering as people. This is what they're bickering about. What they came in clothed with. Because this code is symbolic of their life, of their ideas, of their upbringing, of their set, you know, goals and things of that nature. They're set. And some of them got some prickly things on them. And boy, they rub up against you, man, they can hurt you. And so they're fighting over their lunch. They're fighting over who's, who's dressed this way, who's got this life, who doesn't have this life. What are they fighting over? That the fact that they're human beings, flesh and blood? No. 
They're fighting over thoughts. And I'm here to tell you, racism will never be cured until Jesus becomes the identifying person in a believer's life. Because if I don't have his transforming power on the inside of me, I am left to the security blanket of my own ideologies and what I think life should have done for me. And why do you have what I should have? I'm here to tell you, friends. But as the movie goes on, guess what happens? They begin to take the coats off. They begin to reveal and become vulnerable. You know, I love camp. And I like the fact that our camp is as rustic as we can make it. Because you detach the person from their systems. And when you get rid of the systems, it's amazing they become different people. So that tells me this. The majority of my problems is not. It's this. But people are proud to wear this stuff. You see, the princess, she, she is proud of her prestige. You see, then you have the, the jock, and he, he's proud of his performance. His whole life is about performance. And then you've got the, the nerd who, who's proud of their proficiency in a particular discipline, maybe math. or. And then you have the rebel who is proud, and this is where a lot of people are at, they're proud of their pain. Some of the most arrogant people that God cannot use are people that have been victimized by someone and have not taken that to the cross and allowed Jesus to reconcile that, but instead built walls of defenses. Never love like they should, never trust like they should, Never do anything outside of their sphere or box because you don't know what happened to me. Right. And then you got the young lady who's known as a basket case, and she's where a lot of people are at today. Pride in their quirky personality. Well, I'm just not like other people. Yes, you are. <laughs> Hello. Well, I guess I'm just not like that. You know, I'm just not like other people. They find pride in being quirky in their personality, being different. Are you with me today? The Bible says the proud shall be brought Low. And they that exalt themselves 
shall be destroyed. We don't recognize pride in our lives. You know, they just, the world just celebrated Pride Month. I'm thinking about every June doing a pride teaching because we need to understand that pride is one of the abominable things that God hates. But you know, you may not be guilty today of being proud of your sexual preferences because that's really what it is. But you may be proud that you're popular. You may be proud of your pain. You might be proud of the fact that you're good at something and everybody knows it. Or you might be proud of the fact that you're just quirky and different. Or you might be proud that you have all these trophies and all these colleges that want you to come to their school. It all is abominable to God. It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. I've run out of time. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16. If any man or woman will come after me, let him, the Greeks is very strong, utterly deny, abandon, and refuse himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life, that word life is very important. It is, it's the word suke in the Greek, and it means mind. It means soul. He's not asking for physical martyrdom. He's asking that you abandon your world concept of who you are in this life. There's people that are not getting farther along in their walk with God because they will not renounce or move away from these identifiers. They see themselves more in that than they do in Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Just write this down. But notice that Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house. Did you know that if he continued along that line, he could have become Pharaoh? He was a part of Pharaoh's family, dynasty. The Bible says that he refused to be called. Oh, you didn't get that. He refused to be called the princess. He refused to be called the rebel. He refused to be called the jock. He refused. Oh, I'm here to tell you. I'm, I'm, he abandoned it 
Jesus said, if anyone, now listen, this is hard teaching of Jesus. He said, if anyone doesn't hate his mother and his father, and yea, even his own suke. Oh, are you getting this? What's limiting us is we're still identified with that stuff. We're still holding on to what we perceive, our own perceived. It's just like the matrix, you know. Neo's all ugly and got his ratted old hair out, got big old bolts in his, you know. But when he gets in the system, man, he's dialed in, GQ'd out. And that's the idea that we have about ourselves. And it's keeping us from the transformative power of the renewed mind is that I'm not called to be the best version of me. There is no best version of me, friend. I am called to be changed from glory to glory into the image of the Lord. So that means I have to Deny, utterly deny, because if I try to save my life, if I just try to save this, then I'm going to lose it. But if I lose my life, if I lose my suke, if I lose my identity markers that have been pressed into me through those pressing factors and molding of the world system, if I get rid of those, put them to the cross, Open my heart up to allow Jesus to live through me. I will find life. And that has to do with socioeconomic upbringing. That has to do with ethnic upbringing. That has to do with everything. That's what Jesus was saying. That's the reason why he says there's neither male nor female. See, he doesn't even... There's neither bond nor free, but all are in Christ Jesus. Your identity is not the jock. Your identity is not the rebel. Your identity is not the princess. Your identity is not the basket case. Your identity is not the nerd or the geek. If you are born again here today, your identity is J-E-S-U-S. There's a lot more to say, but we'll have to say it another day. Moses refused that. Don't you know that would be a temptation? Go back to the palace, eat good. Let's forget what God said. Let's forget that I'm the deliverer of of Israel. I'm going to stay in the palace. Man, I'm going to go to the finest parties. I dress in the finest clothes. God, all God's done for me is put me out with a bunch of sheep. But he said he refused. Is Jesus telling us to hate mama? Or hate daddy? No. He's not telling us that. He's saying that we should prefer Christ over all other relationships 
Because here's the thing. Your relationships are integral to the building of those. Who you hang around is who you become. You got to hang around the Lord. Amen. You hang around the Lord's people. You'll become more like Jesus. Amen. Hello. Hello. I tell you what, there's so much here. There's so much here. But I've ran out of time, and I know you got fireworks and bratwurst and all that stuff cooking. But here today, we're going to have the counselors come up. These are ministers that can pray with you whether you need to receive the Lord today. I can't think of a better day to receive the Lord. Make no mistake, it's the death of something. It's the death of the old man. Remember what the Bible says. It says, put off the old man who is corrupt. See, those are corrupted. You know, we, we kind of look at these things. In fact, every major movie has some of these characters in them. We're so used to seeing them, so used to interacting with them. They're just second nature. But he says, put off. See, you have to do it. God's not going to put it off for you. He says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man. What's the new man? Jesus. Put on Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you give your life to the Lord, you're giving your life to the Lord. That means you're no longer classified into general categories that the world puts you in. You're not a chicken nugget. You're breaking out, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's yours. Sometimes our identity and how we were brought up in church keeps us from the things God's given us in Christ. But you can receive it today. On Independence Weekend, you can declare your independence from the kingdom of darkness. Amen? Or maybe you need healing in your body. Or you need deliverance in your soul. These men and women will be here to help you and to bring about change through the gospel. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. So right now I'm going to ask them to come, take their places, and uh, I'm going to pray over you. And then I just, Karen and I and our beautiful family wish you a very wonderful July 4th, that you would be with your family, that you would enjoy one another, and that you would enjoy the freedoms that so many spilled their blood for you to have today. 
And remember the men that signed their name on that Declaration of Independence. They abandoned, they abandoned their level and, and, and their, their state in society. And they became rebels to the very people they were serving. That's what you're doing when you give your life to the Lord. You're signing and saying, devil, you're no longer my father. I'm going to my real father. Amen? And we pray a blessing on you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for each and every person that's here. Thank you, Father God, for your goodness and mercy. Thank you that as we celebrate, I thank you, Father God, that we'll remember that you are the God of freedom. You are the God of liberty, and we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. And I just pray right now, protection over any and all families that are going to be popping fireworks, that there'll be absolutely no mishap, that there'll be absolutely no accident in the name of Jesus, and everybody will be safe and sound in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You're dismissed. Praise the Lord.